Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on another episode of the Diesel Podcast. Today's episode came from a suggestion we got on our Discord server, which if you're not on there, you're going to find a link down below, and you're also going to see the join code on the screen as well. And there's tons of sections we have on there, whether you want to learn more about Cummins, PowerStroke, Duramax, General Chat, um, if you own a shop and just want to you know, be able to connect with other shop owners, all of, our, uh, all of our sponsors have sections on there. So if they're running sales or you have a question about one of their products, you can, you can chat with them but one of the sections we have are episode suggestions and there was a, a gentleman on there that wanted to hear from josh mccormick from power driven diesel about the uh, event that he recently won and they wanted to know more about this build that he put together which is different than his other ones and maybe some challenges he ran into with parts supply issues and just the uh the the supply chain challenges that are out there so josh is going to join us it's always fantastic to chat with him he's really passionate about trucks diesel performance the industry so he's always one of my favorite guests to have on look forward to chatting with him today before we get to it though i want to encourage you guys if you're looking to be able to connect with the diesel podcast even more or find episodes that we're not going to release on youtube any of the podcast apps there's a link down below for our patreon we've got different tiers on there depending um you know what kind of what kind of information or perks you would like there's there's some tiers where your truck can be entered to be our podcast cover uh, for a month you can be listed as a producer for an episode you can get a shout out on air so there's lots of different things we have for you guys there and also episodes that like i said that we don't release anywhere else so if you're looking for um you know, more content specific answers to questions. I'll have one of our guests do that, you know, after the main podcast and our Patreon members get it. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Josh and talking about his new truck build. Josh, welcome back to the diesel podcast. I uh, really enjoyed our last chat that we had with you and I see that you've been busy out there, you know, building trucks, racing them, well, you know, winning some events and stuff. And this, uh, this episode actually came directly from one of our uh, members on our discord server he wanted me to sit down and chat with you so i look forward to catching up and learning more about uh the all truck challenge and how you did out there and what else you've been up to i appreciate it man thanks for having me back always a good time so we didn't chat too long ago but um i know things tend to just move so fast and especially like in the aftermarket and building trucks and stuff but what have you been up to the last you know few months over the summer heading into fall um, well, we were getting ready for all truck challenge with the silver truck that 07 that we had, um, mostly because we couldn't get anything for the 05 after UCC. Um, so we just kind of had to figure out which truck you're going to take and what power plant we were taking with it. Um, and then I kind of, the last bit of the, like our dino season out here, I kind of just stayed home, um. We had spent time with family and stuff and had a lot of other things going on in the background. What uh, what made it difficult after UCC to get stuff? Was it the supply chain and just availability of materials and parts and things like that? Yeah, so obviously it was a DNJ precision enforcer engine that we hurt. Um, 
And I know from what Drew told me, it was like getting the pistons was a big problem, power bore sleeves, which I, to build that 6.4 that we took to Ohio, I ordered those pistons and sleeves on our way home from UCC. And I didn't get them till September. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those things like we didn't, you can't just make deck plates happen in a couple of weeks anymore. Like you got to wait your turn in line. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, <clears throat> I've been hearing, uh, you know, a lot of different things like that and how it's affected, you know, builds and gosh, I did an episode recently and it, the guy had a stock truck, but he's like, I want to take care of it because I might not be able to go to a dealership or call up a phone number and get a part. So I need to take care of what I have right now. So I make sure I keep my truck running. So it's definitely, you know, affecting all different aspects of, of so much, but I was really curious on the high end performance side, you know, that, that you're competing in just how that all factors in. And so I think it's really interesting as far as, you know, you're, you're, you couldn't get that, that six, four up, up and going, how, what was the thought process like to, to do the 07? Was it like, I can get this stuff, you know, pretty quick. So let's just, you know, kind of make a plan on the fly or. So there was an event, there was an event in Kansas. It was a street race. We ended up not going because the guy uh, I was going with hurt his engine like the night before and we were up all night, but we had a cast piston, uh, six, seven. So we, we took, we took a six, seven block that had two holes that were going to clean up standard. Um, we power bore sleeved those. And then we tried the 19 and up standard output pistons, uh, which are like really high compression. Um, and we built this like cast piston engine. And originally it was like 1400 horsepower is kind of where I thought, because I, I mean, in our industry, I'd say most people are going to argue anywhere from maybe a thousand super conservative to like 1500 being kind of optimistic on what a stock block six, seven will actually take. And a lot of it depends on turbos and where it makes power and stuff. But um, we wanted like this street engine that could do four digit power and could daily drive. So we built this whole engine and that was honestly what I thought I was going to take to, uh, all truck challenge. Um, and it got cold here in Utah and all of a sudden the truck started like blue smoking when it was firing up. And at this point I had now kind of taken over tuning my own truck it as well. Um, little did I know it was actually my fault as the guy that wrote the tune file and that's what caused the blue smoke. But we saw that and kind of everything lined up where the power bore sleeves and the diamond pistons all kind of showed up. Um, so originally we were just going to take that engine and the blue smoke kind of had me wigged out and I was not going to go all the way to Ohio again on something that I thought might not be right. It's a long drive. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's as far as, um, we get questions about, you know, how much power can you make on something and still be able to drive it? Is that, is that thousand to 15 in your experience where you would say that's, you know, you might not be towing with it, but that's, that's kind of the range you're going to be in. If, if it's a, you know, a truck that you're going to you know, drive around or something like that, or, you know, maybe take a trip. Do you think, you think it, it can go any farther than that? Or are you kind of pushing it about 1500 horse on a, on an engine like that? I mean, realistically, I, I think a lot of people might be shocked by this, but I think like 750, 800 is really where I think the reliability cap of like, everything will stay together 
and it'll be fine and you're not changing a bunch of stuff i think the thousand to like 1200 horsepower level is still somewhat reliable but you're gonna start running into how heavy the truck is um like you notice how like a lot of guys always go to single cabs they'll build like this really nasty quad cab and then they go to a single cab and yeah. like the weight of these trucks really changes how much the tranny takes um as far as the engines go i think ultimately they last as long as you're willing to drive them smart. So it's like the guys that always say, you know, an S400 versus a HE351. On paper, they could make the same power, but it depends on how how you drive them. Like if you're surging the turbo and stuff like that. So I think personally, like anything past like 12, 1400 horsepower, like at any point, I was waiting for my engine to just kind of shoot a rod out the side of it and stuff like that. But we were we were just really smart about it um we ended up taking that cast piston engine to it's like 2180 horsepower um and i at that point still daily drove the truck uh again i towed with it i wouldn't ever want to actually have to tow with it i just kind of was like trying to see how it would run um but like the fuel mileage was all right i think the problem that you run into even on a common rail at the higher power level is the injectors just get so big it's really hard to turn them down to idle right and street drive well and i don't care what brand of injectors you have like it, how did the person take the video of the idle haze was the truck warm was it stone cold you know yeah. everyone's trying to sell their product but uh it's kind of you, you run into that point like i'd say once you get past like that 250 300 over they just they don't have the manners that they used to have so for me, stock block six, seven with billet rods in them, I'd say 1400, it'll live there for a while. But if you're always short shifting it, um, it it's going to take a beating. That shift spike is really hard on them. And with, with all truck challenge, tell us about that. What was the, what was the, uh, you know, experience like the, uh, <clears throat> the competition, how, how'd you feel about the truck? You know, once you went out there and competed and what was your overall impression of it? Yeah, so we went last year, didn't have very good luck, ended up blowing up some stuff on the dyno. Um, and we, we, the setup we brought last year just kind of kept getting dated, and I think the Band-Aids finally all tore at once. Um, so this year, I didn't want to do that. That's why when I saw the blue smoke, I immediately thought the rings had started to lose their tension or anneal, as a lot of people say. Um, so we built a 6.4. So it was a 6.7 sleeve down to 4 and an eighth bore diamond pistons, waggler rods, all the good stuff. Um, and I, I didn't want to waste the trip. Like I, at this point, it's not even so much the money as the time or how long it's going to take to fix something if it breaks. Yeah. So we went there with, a, I felt like a lot better plan. Um, we were trying to just be consistent last year. I thought maybe I could win the dyno or maybe I could win this or maybe I could win that this year. I was like, you know what, if we could do like top five all the way across, like we'll do okay. Um, and we had a lot more prep, the safety rules and stuff were familiar with me already. Um, so I thought that we took a much more conservative approach to the event. Um, but we get out there, everything's good. We didn't have any troubles getting there, which is always nice. Uh, we had time this year. We left a day early. I really wanted to like set up and just kind of be able to relax, uh, and Sarah changed the rules this year. Last year, it was a heads up and fastest time. So each one of those counted for 500 points. Um, so if you qualified at the drag strip, number one, you got 500 points. 
And depending on where you ended up in the heads up bracket was up to 500 points this year. She gave you two options. You could raise heads up and the heads up was worth 500 points or uh, you could race a bracket and that was worth 500 points. And she did that to kind of get the street trucks a chance. So for us, it was like, I didn't have a cage. This was a daily driven truck and I went the bracket race and the bracket was really nice because I didn't have to run. The truck is hard, which I know we started talking about the rules after the fact. I think they're going to change that a little bit, but I just played it smart. Um, I didn't beat on the truck. We ran like an 828 dial on that and we got lucky. We made it to the second round and I red lit um, and we were happy at that point. The truck still ran good and we um I'm a big sled pull fan. So for me, like the sled pull was the only event I really wanted to pull out all the stops. So Saturday morning, going into it, we had 460 points from the drag rate. We did the 100-mile street drive. And I think this year was the first year nobody broke. Um, so I feel like as this event has continued on, I think a lot of people were bringing like UCC trucks with license plates. And this year I felt like, of all the years, like a stock truck could really still do okay in it. Like, and there was a couple of guys and that didn't have a ton of power and they did really well. They didn't break out, nothing broke, anything like that. But uh, we went through it, the street drive, no issues. We got to the sled pull. Um, I left kind of hard. And I ended up in overdrive by the first hundred feet. As soon as I grabbed overdrive, the boost spiked. I blew an intercooler boot off. Um, I was just really worried about the RPM. We were sitting at like 6250. Uh, so I grabbed overdrive to hopefully like bring it back down. And the engine tweaked so hard it blew an intercooler boot. So we get it fixed, go back up for the second sled pull. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, all right, we got to just turn it down one notch. Like I need the points now whether we come in first or third, it's better than, I think we came in like 14th on the first sled pole. So we were down quite a bit. Um, so we hit it. We just ran third gear uh, off a soft 6,500 RPM limiter with two 110 kits of nitrous. And we went 385 feet. The only guy that beat us was Bubby Payne, which was last year's uh, winner. Um, and we felt really good. I, I mean, last year at King of the Street, I didn't get to, sled pull at ucc everyone probably remembers the fireball going down the track and i always felt like i've spent so much time and money in that sled pull setup it was nice to actually know that like okay we just had really bad luck and this setup actually really works well so yeah. it was kind of reassuring to me really uh so then that night we had so we pitted it was me david petrick gordon lindemood and then my boss todd uh, Gordon ended up losing an engine that night. So we were trying not to swap it. We ended up not being able to get it done in time. Um, and we get up the next morning for dirt drags, dirt drags. I've done now at this point, three times in my life. I did it in Idaho, Illinois, and now Ohio. And we seem to have really good luck. And everyone always asks me like what I do. I just drive really ignorant, like 20 <laughs> on the launch. And then I just don't ever let up on the throttle. Like if the truck starts going sideways, you correct, but I never pedal it. Um, 
I don't know if that's the best advice to give people, but we're three for three on winning the bracket with, with that method. So we went through the qualifying. I was the number four qualifying. Uh, and then we just went through the rounds, uh, a couple of them. Like, I feel like we won cause everything just worked well. Uh, I made a big error against Brad Daniels, six, four power stroke, but lucky for me, unlucky for him, something happened. I think his waist gates blew open and I was able to edge him out. And then in the finals, uh, it just kind of all came together and we won. So we got the 500 points for dirt drag, uh, at this point, uh, I was in first place by 20 points. So you look at like, we did okay on the drag strip. We completed the street drive. We did quite bad on the first pole and we did excellent on the second pole. And then we did really good in dirt drags. So I have uh, two trucks, 20 points below me, which was Justin Duffy and McGowan and no stab at them, but I felt like we had a 2000 horse truck and they did not make that number. So I was like, okay, took a deep breath. But then we have Chris Patterson, 30 points behind us. Uh, and the way it worked was it David Patrick Dino, Chris Patterson did, and then I went last. Uh, we had Chris Patterson did 3,089 horsepower, I believe. Then you had Ben Francis that did 2183. And then Steve Giordano did... 2020. So in order for me to win the event, I had to be in third on the dyno. If I went to fourth place, we'd tie for, with Chris. So I knew we had to make just over 2040. So we changed the tune up a little bit, got it jetted with nitrous and we went up there, smacked it. It did 21, 23. And we waited for them to just make sure the scores were right. Once we knew we pulled it off the dyno, I was fully, I had a whole nother tune up saved like if we needed a little bit more but <laughs> we didn't have it um because when i had talked about my previous plan and and stuff like that i always said i was like i don't think this is gonna do 2000 on this dyno i think we're gonna dial it back run 16 to 1800 and just play it safe and when i found out we were first and that we could still stay in first i kind of went really far on that duration because the injectors that we brought weren't that big they were like a 74 liter per minute which is just under 300 percent. so we had a ton of duration to make that power and anytime you add that there's heat timing all that stuff so it was a risk but i was willing to take it um and then we just celebrated i remember getting off the dyno uh, a couple of guys came up in my crew and you know we high-fived or whatever and then i just drove off and i called my wife and then i went back to the pit and we finished swapping Gordon's engine so he could make it home, not have a 8,000 pound dually that didn't move for its own power and drove home. So it was, uh, it felt really, really good. Um, kind of like, almost like a redemption kind of, kind of win. <clears throat> yeah. It's a really interesting event. And I chatted with Sarah earlier this year about it. <clears throat> and I really liked the idea of how it was put together with, making it so you didn't need to necessarily have a ton of power. You could still compete. You could still have fun in it. And that's something that is, uh, I think for a while it's kind of been missing. You know, it was like way, way, way back in the day. That was what pulled in a lot of people with wanting to have a diesel truck is you can make a thousand horsepower, take it to, to the drag strip, drive it. You might not tow a lot with something like that, but you could kind of have this do all kind of vehicle. And then there's this massive, 
just evolution of diesel performance, you know, with UCC where you have these companies involved and there's teams and there's spare parts and trailers. And it's like a whole organization in and of itself for these trucks. And I think, you know, kind of the people in the stands would look at that and think, and I'll, I'll never have a 2,500 horsepower truck or 3,000 or 2,000. And so with this kind of event, it kind of puts some of that back into, I think, the hands of enthusiasts where, you know, maybe your truck is 900, maybe it's 15, maybe it's 18. You could still go out there and, and compete. So I, I definitely like where where uh, the event is gone and then, you know, hearing about your experience with it, um, you know, in the competition, it, I think it's good for diesel. Yeah. And I, I mean, granted, I, I feel like, it's hard to say that horsepower didn't win the event because you got myself in first place, Chris right behind me in second with 2000 horsepower or 3000 horsepower rather. And then third place was Justin Duffy in a Duramax, but no stab at him. That was a 1700 horsepower Duramax. And then Joey Alderman came in fourth. That was a 1400 horsepower Duramax. And then in fifth place was, uh, McGowan, a six, four power stroke lifted, did the street drive, I believe on mud tires and it only made 1200 horsepower. So the top five, although it's kind of hard to do that. I also look at, we brought a lot of parts, like we were prepared to break stuff. Um, and luckily for me, I feel like if I just pack it, I'll never need it. And maybe that's a little cocky, but <laughs> I mean, engine, panties, converters, drive shafts, all that, my truck, literally needed an intercooler boot and a couple of clamps and that was all it took the whole weekend that's another one of the really cool things that has happened over the last five years is i'm sure you remember you know in the past it's like if you had a race truck or something that made a lot of power it was almost a miracle if it could go through you know a few races or an event and not break something have catastrophic failure but we're seeing more of that reliability at higher power levels where you know like you just said you didn't you didn't need any of that stuff. And, and I think that's a testament to the companies and the engineering and the design and really what, you know, people like yourself do on the racetrack to really push these engines and transmissions and everything else with it, where you can have that be reliable, which it wasn't like that in the past. No, it, I mean, yeah, no, I, I think back to like UC previous UCDs where it's like, I think one of the reasons why they did the fastest pass is because usually by the second pass, these guys are engine guts all over the floor and transits mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when a thousand horsepower daily, a thousand horsepower truck was like jaw dropping. Yeah. And now look at it and it's like 2000, a couple of years ago was pretty elusive group of people. And now I look at it like, there's a lot of guys in that group. Like there's probably over 20, 25 guys in that group that have done it. And it's like, it didn't make it feel any less special, but it also makes you realize like where this industry is going to continue to go. I just think the parts are getting better. I think the tuning has gotten a lot better. And I think um, like, I'll give credit where it's due. Like what fire pump does with nitrous, like, I, I actually stopped by Firepunk on the way home and I talked to Levon um, and I was like, dude, like you guys just need to do a nitrous video to explain this, like the, the like lean is mean kind of thing. Cause I feel like there's a window where nitrous almost kind of makes it worse. And when they say add more, like I didn't realize how much more I had to add to bring it back to the other side of that curve. <laughs> but 
it's like stuff like that learning. I mean, if, if you would have told me two years ago, I was going to sled pull with two one ten jets, I probably would have laughed at you, but we went down the pole track at 1340 degrees of EGT the whole way down the track. And it, it just, it works. And then I think just building stuff different now, like, I remember a few years ago, if you were on comp D, there was like all these guys building six, four Cummins configurations. There was the 80 thousands off the deck and there was the sleeve down version and all these configurations. And now I would say the most popular six, four is just a sleeve down six, seven. Um, and we're learning that the cylinder walls are part of the issue. And for me living at high elevation, like I'll never give up stroke. Uh, like power driven where I work, we figured out how to put six, seven cranks in 12 valve trucks and they drive better. Why do six, seven trucks seem to drive better up here over a five, nine? Cause I have the stroke, the displacement of the cylinder bore didn't seem to really change my truck's drivability. And I, I attribute a lot of that to just keeping that uh, stroke in there. I, I follow you on, uh, on Instagram and I think it was a few months back. You went on a, a new truck hunt and i remember that black one he had which was which was gorgeous and then i saw you picked up a uh i think it's a 2021 right it's a white yeah. white still, dually. still 2021 uh white dually um went up there and saw um went up there and saw trevor peterson i always call him t-pain but i wanted to make sure i actually gave him his right name yeah i saw well i remember you were on a on the, the uh the lookout for some wheels and stuff and i saw some pictures i'm like man that's a, that is such a clean truck like you went from <laughs> went from the single wheel to the dually and and uh nearly like any podcast i've done or just people i chat with they love how these new rams just tow just the whole the whole setup with them and and everything so it's it's been really cool to see what you put together from gosh we did our first episode what was that like three years ago maybe four and you know how you've immersed yourself in in the diesel performance industry and the racing and the youtube channel i saw you hit uh hit hold on uh, you gotta check this thing out now <laughs> we, we audibled on the wheels and we just <laughs> went the the nitto ridge grapplers here oh nice and honestly, I, I kind of, I never thought I'd keep factory wheels on it, but it's been really, really nice. Sorry, I'm actually at work, so they fired up the wire wheel so we can finish this in here. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the new trucks for sure. They're, they're really nice. Yeah, well, it's been cool to see see the progression that, that you've made in diesel as well with what I was just mentioning with uh, that first UCC we did years ago, um, that episode. <clears throat> to what you're doing with you know power driven and then ucc and all truck challenge and your youtube channel as well which um you know is it's always really entertaining to watch and that's what we want to see is is diesel enthusiasts we want to learn something but also you know be entertained at the same time so you do an excellent job with the channel well thank you yeah I, like i said I, it kind of started just i don't know i had a lot of people ask me to do it and I never wanted to because it just took up way too much time. And I figured out a way to make it work with the time I had. And you just, I'm sure like your first couple podcasts probably took forever. And now yeah. you're a lot better at them. And now I can edit videos much quicker and it, it's doable. Yeah. The, the flow of information, you know, with not just, 
not just podcasts, but I think YouTube channels that, that people are doing, the information is so much more accessible and, and like easy to find now versus, you know, in the past you'd have to search and scroll through pages and everything. Like if I want to see how to build a truck and go to your YouTube channel and, and see different, you know, stages of it, different parts of it. So yeah, it's really cool. And I appreciate you, you know, chatting with us today, um, kind of on short notice, uh, this no week, problem. but I definitely wanted to chat with you about the event, see what you're up to. And, uh, we'll definitely make sure to put some links, um, you know, down below when we release this. So people will check out your channel and, uh, follow you on, on Instagram if they aren't already, but I appreciate your time today, Josh. And it's always a, always a pleasure to chat with you. Yes, sir. Take care. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to the link down below for our Patreon. If you're looking for more content from the diesel podcast, if you'd like some exclusive perks, like having your truck potentially be the, the, the podcast cover we release on iTunes, all the podcast apps, YouTube, um, or if there's just certain questions, certain things that, that you want me to ask a guest that isn't part of a main podcast, we release those just to our Patreon members. And it's a great way to be able to hear from you guys, get feedback and incorporate you more into the podcast. I know you guys listen for tons of minutes and hours a year and listen to my voice. You listen to the guests and we appreciate your support. And we really want you guys to feel like this is your podcast that we do. And you guys help provide direction for it. I want to give a shout out to a couple of our Patreon supporters, which is Texas diesel supply and rights diesel services. We appreciate the support from them. Also our sponsors who take time out of their day to be able to answer questions, be able to help, uh, help educate people on parts or things that are going on with trucks. So you make sure that if you're building a truck, you build it the way that you want with the least amount of mistakes possible. Or if you just want your truck to run better, last longer, um, not have any downtime, have, have a better maintenance schedule. Um, we appreciate the support. And then all of you that listen each, each and every week, I love hearing from you guys. And like I said uh, before, Discord, Patreon, it's a great way to connect with us. And if there's episodes you want to hear or guests you want on, or there's a problem with a truck and you just can't get a solution for it, uh, just let us know. Message us on, on any of those platforms and I'll see what kind of expert I can get on to do a podcast episode. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.